0: Welcome to Pastors Confidential.
1: We're Michelle and Eric Waters.
0: Two pastors.
1: One podcast. So
0: here's what we're talking about today. Hello. All right. How are you? I'm good. Good. Long, hot, sweaty day for us. My yes. goodness gracious.
1: So we're coming at you on a Saturday night. Yep. Well, we're not going to post it till Monday, but this right. is very unusual that we're doing this at night. It's dark outside and we don't have coffee. We actually have a, a cocktail. Yes, yes. So it'll <laughs> be, and who knows how long this
0: will be. No, but, yeah. it's fine.
1: Anyways, it's a little different format because we have a very busy Monday and so it's mm-hmm. not going to happen on Monday. And, um, we are just returning from like our third or fourth yeah. hot sweaty football game yeah. of the week
0: yeah yeah three in a row and so we had oh. a, uh, we had a football game thursday football game friday football game saturday oh my gosh and this was in lovely lano texas
1: was today's was in lano texas i think, it was. I think it, was. <laughs> it was supposed to be 107 at game time oh my goodness gracious
0: yeah that was hot. matthew's
1: game um johnny played thursday night and then i made a vow that i wasn't going to go to away varsity games this year because we don't have a varsity player we have a freshman playing on the freshman team and we have just been doing that for years and so then the kids were like wait we're not going to the game and it was only in san antonio so So i buckled under the pressure we went we sweat it was so Mm. hot they won it was a great game but we had already sweat the night before i don't know it's been 100 degrees in texas for the entire summer and it hasn't stopped
0: yeah, I'm kind of ready for the uh, oh the, the, the temperature to break,
1: it's to tell you the truth. It's so crazy. Yeah. And
0: so, you know, I think uh, for you Texas listeners out there, we appreciate what you're doing for us to give us a, a true Texan summer. But I think uh-huh. we've had enough by this point. And so, yeah. you know, if you could please take it away, that would be nice.
1: Yeah. yeah. The, the rumor on the street is that next weekend, it's actually going to be in the 80s. Well, that would be That's fantastic. The rumor. But I will, That's the I'll, rumor. I'll believe that when it happens. Exactly. i not
0: believe that when it happens.
1: Okay. So the other strange thing about this podcast tonight is that I actually took notes in class this week.
0: Oh, you were paying attention?
1: Well, no, I'm always paying attention, but uh, normally uh, I just kind of uh-huh. sit there and I don't even have a book and I just kind of like, you know, <laughs> do my thing. But this time I thought, you know what? If I'm talking about this on the podcast, I really should be taking notes. Yeah. So I actually can probably, I can probably tell you
0: what's going on basically
1: what you said great okay, okay, so, we'll go for it. okay so basically um you were talking about five books of the bible so it mm-hmm. was a lot um but you the way you made that um hold together is that you it was about the emergence of judaism mm-hmm. right so um we had five books and three of them were like the majority report or whatever right. and you talked about two being the minority report wow. yeah, we're listening. the majority report was about how the three Facets, I guess, of Juda- of this emerging Judaism was based on the temple, yep. ethnic purity. Mm-hmm. I still have a problem with that, the way you talk about that, but that's okay. okay. And yeah. then the temple, ethnic purity, and the third one was the law, maybe? Yeah, return the to law, the law. Especially the Sabbath, but keeping the law. Yes, yeah. return to the law. Okay, and those were, yeah. I think, Joel and... <clears throat> Joel and Malachi and mm-hmm. Esther right. and the minority report is Ruth and Jonah.
0: Wow you were definitely listening. I know see, taking notes is
1: very good it's very oh, wow, good Wow, wow yeah. was very and impressed. I didn't even have to look at my notes.
0: So so what's this bone that you have to pick about ethnic purity?
1: <laughs> well no it's just because I you keep saying that and I'm. I brought it up last week too it's you keep talking about ethnic purity like they don't they don't They shouldn't marry foreigners Mm -hmm. and stuff. But really, that's just religious purity. I mean, it's just to keep them focused on God. It's not really so much about... That's the way it manifests itself Mm -hmm. as ethnic purity. But, I mean, we've seen over and over again that... The Lord will like welcome anyone outside right. who's willing to love Him and worship Him, and so to me, it's more like religious purity.
0: Oh, I hear you. I, I, I think I think that is a good corrective. A okay. good Push back. Okay. Yes, think It's a good corrective. Plus,
1: seeing ethnic purity in this day and age, it's just it's just oh, no, so no, it's icky. Yeah. It's, it's
0: very tough. But you know that uh, what we're trying to do is set yes. up so that when Jesus, uh, so that when we get to Jesus, uh, it's clear why um, His own people had such uh, such problems with Him, oh. and then why the apostles. Had such problems welcoming yes. uh, okay, Gentiles true, true into enough. the church. I mean, they, you know, God basically had to had to intervene directly and say to Peter, like, yeah, you know, show him a vision in there the is night. yes. was nothing unclean, You're right? So, okay, so okay. Well, that
1: makes a very good point. Yeah. So when the Gentile, yes, because the Jews did not really want that right, to really be a part it of the, themselves. Yeah. Okay, but
0: I think your good, point is good, also good. very valid that it's not like. It's not racism as we would think of it in the 21st century. It's really primarily a religious fidelity, which, as you said, manifests itself as Mm -hmm. an ethnic purity because God's covenant is made with a particular ethnic group. Right. So yeah, that's that's a good corrective. No.
1: Good. But it's good. And it, it, you know, I'm teaching Ruth this, that we just started this week, and um, the idea of the children and being and having a legacy in a a bloodline i should Mm -hmm. say is incredibly important you can't you can't deny that i mean you made the point that um you know if you were fatherless since they didn't have a well-developed notion of heaven if you were fatherless basically that's the end like if you die without children there is no more whereas children are the legacy children you know that's the thing and so that makes sense
0: it does. And, you know, I was thinking about that, too. You know, uh, God has been very gracious to us. God has given us six children, including four sons. Uh, but I, uh, prior to that, you know, I'm the only male Waters in the entire family. And so if I had, you know, if I had not been married, if I had not had any kids, then the, the Waters' name would have died with me.
1: Right? Wow. Uh,
0: but now it's going to continue because God has given us four sons. Mm-hmm. And I think in a similar way, uh, that's how Jews would look upon um uh, etern- eternal life I guess for sure. a better phrase is that yeah if, if you die without sons to carry on your name then just as the water's name wouldn't live on right so to the name of the father was just it was just dead right
1: right, right. right. So, well good well, no I that makes that, sense I mean, that makes a lot of sense
0: I'm impressed, hon, that you listen so well. Well, I
1: always do. It's just that when you—that's a good. We're trying to teach, especially Sam, Mm -hmm. who's you know at West Point. It's it's, the academics are very high, and so the other night he had to call his sister to get some biology help, and she like taught him this pneumatic trick, you know about like Mm -hmm. you know putting a name to something. What is it?
0: uh, What did I? Pneumatic. He said pneumatic. Whatever. Okay. Okay.
1: Sorry. Anyways, a trick to like memorize things, Right. right? like halt or something Mm -hmm. means like you know h a and he was like wow (laughs) (laughs) he had never like even thought of it so point being if you take notes if you you know learn in a different Mm -hmm. way it's always easier
0: so, well, it's an excellent introduction, so let's dive okay. into it. we got okay. five books, and we're going to go through them pretty briskly. Oh, very brisk. So, yes. as you said, you know, there's this emerging Judaism that people return from, Exelon, mm-hmm. uh, from exile in Babylon, okay. and they make a vow, never again shall this happen to us. And so they strive for what we're calling ethnic purity, for lack of a better yep. word. Mm-hmm. Uh, strive for really keeping God's law, especially yep. the Sabbath, because that's what really makes them dis- uh, distinct from all the peoples around about them. And then worshiping in the temple, which they have rebuilt. Right? Yep. So we got three prophets, three books we're looking at that really stress that. Uh, The first is Malachi. So he's the last book in the Old Testament. And I want to uh, highlight two parts of Malachi. Okay. One is where he takes the people to task. He says in Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, Has not God created us? Why then are we faithless to another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? For Judah has been faithless. Abomination has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreigner. Mm-hmm. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Judah Jacob any descendant of the man who does this. Okay. And so there's that close connection between worship and uh, the bloodline, yep. right? Uh, and then earlier, Malachi, it's a great book, by the way. There's this back and forth uh, between God and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this, this famous passage where Malachi really takes the people to task for how they are worshiping. Though the temple has been rebuilt yet they're not really worshiping God the way they ought to. So this is in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If I, the man, the father, where is my honor? If I'm the master, where is my fear, says the Lord? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering food polluted upon my altar. You say, well, how have we polluted you? by offer by saying that the Lord's table may be despised for when you offer blind animals in sacrifice is that not evil when you offer those that are lame or sick is that not evil present that to the governor see if he will accept your hmm. sacrifices says the Lord hmm. so remember that the people these were uh, offerings in kind you know yep. now we have offerings in cash and things like that yep. but people would literally you know go to their herd and choose an animal to bring to God as a sacrifice and what they were doing instead of choosing, choosing the the firstborn, the animals without blemish or defect, they were choosing the ones they didn't want anyway. Right. You know, kind of culling the herd, and calling it worship. And right. God says that's not good enough. Okay. And so we hear this strong emphasis, emphasis, worshiping in the temple, you know, keeping the the, the family pure. Right. So that's okay. Malachi. Uh, the other one we're going to look at, second one we're going to look at, is um, Joel. So the prophet Joel.
1: And by the way, that the thing with the sacrifice—that's the same thing if we. If we don't give our first fruits to God, right? If we're kind of like waiting till the end of the month, like just to yeah. see what's left over and giving it to Him, that's the same principle.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I was um, exactly it's like tipping God yeah. versus uh, giving yeah. your best to Him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So same principle. So Joel, uh, Joel was another prophet active sometime at this time, okay. and, and Joel uh, prophesied during a real-life locust plague. Yes, which was something that actually happened in those you know days and age. Uh, And I had an image in class of a a plague that struck East Africa in 2020.
1: Of locusts.
0: uh, Of locusts, Mm -hmm. right. It's just unbelievable. And so Joel used this plague as a way to talk about God's judgment, as to talk Mm -hmm. about the day of the Lord. Okay. So he used it as a a metaphor or a stepping stone for that. And lo and behold, the people actually took it to heart. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where we will pick it up. Very good. And so the people say this is uh, Joel chapter 2. I'll pick it up here with verse 12, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Great Which, verse. of course, we mm-hmm. sing mm-hmm. You know, during Lent. That's right. our part of our liturgy. Uh, and so the people do exactly that. Verse 15, they blow the trumpet in Zion. They consecrate a fast. They call it assembly. They gather the people They consecrate the congregation. They assemble everyone between the vestibule and the altar that the priests, the ministers of the Lord weep and say, spare your people, Lord. Make not your heritage a reproach. Okay. And that's exactly what happens. And so again, we see this emphasis on keeping God's law, on recognizing when they have broken it, repenting of their transgressions, and then returning to God in the temple, you know, between the vestibule and the altar. Uh, and God hears, and God not only spares his people and sends the locusts packing.
1: He repays, um, right? So he repays Verse 25, I think.
0: Uh, I think you are correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful passage. So chapter 2, verse 25. Who, uh, God says, I will restore to you the years that the locust mm-hmm. has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. Wow. And this promise that when God's people repent of their sin, uh, that God will not only forgive their sin, but God will make amends, that mm-hmm. God will restore what has been lost, Right. which is a great hope for us Christians. I mean, you know, we're not worried about locust plagues, uh, but when we recognize the, the wrong we have done and the, uh, how our sin has destroyed us, mm-hmm. and God's promise is that he will restore that to us.
1: Correct. So. And he's, he's done that. I mean, that's the story of Job. That's the story of Ruth, you know, restoring what was lost and giving back double basically
0: and so that's Joel and then mm-hmm. we're going to look at Esther and now Esther is another book of the Bible it's uh, it's kind of famous because it's the only book of the Bible that never mentions the name of God mm-hmm. once but God is always active behind the scenes and the very famous passages in chapter 2 verse 14 but who knows that the Lord your God uh, has not raised you up for such a, a time, time as, as this. this. And so the idea is that even though God's name itself does not appear, mm-hmm. God is active behind the scenes, raising people up. And in Esther, the crisis is, um, well, what we would call genocide.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, so this takes place during the time of the Persian Empire. Esther is the queen uh, married to the king of Persia, and she runs afoul of one of his court counselors who somehow convinces uh, the king of Persia to issue an edict saying that all the Jews of the empire must be killed mm-hmm. because they live by their own laws, they're different from everybody else, and we can't trust them. Right. And of course, this would really speak to the people, you know, at a time when they are trying to keep God's law. Surely then, as now, they would have been set apart as different from everybody mm-hmm. else, and therefore suspect. Uh, but Esther does the right thing, and so she steps out in faith. And because of Esther's work, this plot to destroy all the Jews is reversed. And instead of everyone in the kingdom having freedom to kill the Jews on a mm. certain day, <laughs> the Jews have the freedom to kill their enemies oh on goodness, that same day. Right. Which, again, is really, really hard for us to hear. Mm-hmm. Right? But in this time, you know, when the when the when God's chosen people have been reduced to only two tribes, right. 10 have been lost. The Holy Land is basically just Jerusalem and kind of, you know, little environs around it. Mm-hmm. There's not much left of them. There's not many left of them. And so it's very, very important that they, they that they continue from one generation okay. to the next. So that's what it's speaking to, okay. right? So you got these three books that yep. talk about the majority, Malachi, Joel, Esther. Uh, but then you have these two books that are, as I put it, kind of a minority report. I
1: like that. Mm-hmm. Kind
0: of a corrective, yep. you know? One is Ruth, which I believe you're teaching with your women, right? Yes. Yeah, and so Ruth is set back in the day when the judges rule. Yes. Which, uh, from the time that we are now, you know, when you if you're looking at it in your Bible, you got to flip back like 700 pages or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a hint even in the book of Ruth that this is it was not written at the time. Uh, and so it begins in the days when the judges rule, when, mm-hmm. which implies that it's written in the days when they're not ruling. Uh, and there's also that description of, you know, the sandal. Uh, so they take the sandal off and they hand it to each other and there's this this explanatory footnote in those days this is how business was transacted right right? so but anyways it's a story set in the past but the long and short of it is ruth is not a jew uh ruth is a moab moabite Mm -hmm. Uh, she is from a foreign nation Uh, but ruth is clearly the hero of the story Mm -hmm. she says to naomi where you go i'll go where you stay i stay your people will be my people your god will be my god and where you die there i shall be buried
1: right so she makes a conversion so
0: she converts and she becomes one of god's people Mm -hmm. Um, and not only not only does she become one of god's people but she becomes the uh, the matriarch
1: um, Mm -hmm.
0: of david himself right and so it's through ruth three generations later that king david is born and so it seems like the point one of the points that ruth is trying to make is that yeah, you know, we've got to keep our bloodline mm-hmm. pure so that we worship God, but you know, e- even King David had a little bit of foreign blood in him. Right. So, can it really be all that bad?
1: No. So, Do the I point is say?
0: worshiping God, right? Right. So, the point is to worship God. Right. And there's, you know, kind of pushing yeah. back on it. Mm-hmm. And the one that really pushes back the most is Jonah. Jonah. Great book. Great, great book, right? Jonah. And Jonah is really kind of the anti prophet, the anti hero, um, which seems like. I very, thought
1: you were going to start quoting the Taylor Swift song.
0: I don't even know it's a Taylor Swift song.
1: You don't know antihero? No, of course not. I'm a guy. Okay. Well, you'd have daughters that sing it. You know, it's the one that's like, yeah. "No, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna I'm no, not no, no, yes. no, it's no, no I'm now. not gonna." But anyways, your the song is called is antihero. Yeah. No, and it's yeah, but it's I'm the problem. It's me. Oh no, yeah, yes. I know that, yeah. Okay, oh, okay, yes. That's the, okay. Go I ahead. I did not know that.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> live and learn. Uh, and so is the antihero. He's mm-hmm. really pre- uh, presented as an anti-prophet. You know, God says to him, go to Nineveh, which is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, you know, head east. And so mm, he Jonah goes west. west. mm mm-hmm. And then God sends a storm to stop him. And mm-hmm. Jonah says, well, I guess God caught me, so throw me overboard. You know, I'd rather die than do God's will.
1: Does he actually volunteer for that? Or don't don't they, like, don't they, like, say, shouldn't yes, he, should, no, he no, volunteers he for it, it? He does. He okay, says, I know, thought know. they, like, kind of cast lots, or they said, you're the problem, let's throw you yeah, over. Well, and he's do, like, okay. They,
0: they determined it, but he's like, yes, this is my problem. Okay, I okay, okay, I got it. Just throw me overboard. And so they throw him overboard, okay. but then there God sends the fish. Yep. You know, the, the whale. Our God, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, to, to swallow Jonah up and then to swim him back and yeah. spit him out on the shore. And then Jonah finally goes to Nineveh and kind of, you know, sulkily, grumblingly, he, sulkily. he does what God says, you know, re- preaching, repent for the, the judgment is coming.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Lo and behold, the city of Nineveh repents, which is the last thing that Jonah wanted. And so Jonah kind of stomps off to a corner. Yep. And he, you know, harumps himself onto the ground and he crosses his arms and just kind of sulks there. And of course, Nineveh is in modern day Iraq. You know, it's hot. <laughs> so God sends this vine uh, to grow uh-huh. up over him and to give him shade. And so Jonah's very happy for the vine. And in the middle of the night, God sends a worm to eat the vine so that it dies. Yep. And then the next day, when Jonah wakes up, he says this. No, this is Jonah chapter 4, verse 6. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Jonah chapter 4, verse 8. And so okay. when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind coming out of the desert. Mm -hmm. The sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And Jonah asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being and perished in a single night, and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, Mm. and also many cattle. (laughs) And so, you know, God is kind of saying to him, Jonah, you know, get a hold of yourself here. It's not about you. right? It was never about you. I mean, you know, God's promise is with the Jewish people. You know, God chose Abraham and God said to Abraham, that I will make of you a great nation. But then mm-hmm. he continued, through you right. shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And, you know, Jonah forgot that, that the mission of God's chosen people was to be a blessing to all of the people on the earth. Uh, and Jonah ran away rather than see that happen. Yep. So God, you know, kind of corrected him. Yep. And so we see Jonah as kind of a, a pushback. Kind of a, you know, a pushback, a corrective Mm -hmm. on an overemphasis that could have developed, that was developing during this time when Judaism was first emerging.
1: Very nice. Well, and just to wrap up, I liked, um, you know, you made the point that, you know, a lot of modern scholars and whatever think, well, of course, this didn't really happen. It's an allegory. Jonah Mm -hmm. did not spend any time in the belly of a whale, et cetera, et cetera. But you basically said, well, Jesus said he did. Right. And so therefore, we will carry on with that tradition.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, what I love about Jesus. Of course, I love many things about Jesus. Right. Right? Uh, but one of the things I love about Jesus is that he, um, if you think about the stories of the, of the Old Testament that we find hardest to believe, yep. so that would be the creation of Adam and Eve,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Noah and the Ark, Jonah and the Whale, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? You know, fire raining down from heaven. Oh, true. He Jesus touches on, on all of those. He speaks about each yeah, and every one of those mm-hmm. as a historical event. Interesting. Uh, and so I follow the Lord, uh, I follow the lead of my Lord sure. in this case. Jesus treated them as a historical event. Yep. He said, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man mm-hmm. be three days and three nights in the heart of the right. earth. You know, Jesus really died. It wasn't just a metaphor, or an allegory. It's a right. fact. And so just as he died, so Jonah was three days in the whale. So Jesus treats it as a historical effect, and that's how I treat it, too.
1: I like it. Thanks. That works.
0: Well, hey, this is pretty good. All not right. bad well, doing Saturday Saturday huh?
1: No, we're not doing that again, though. No. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so we will I we won't post this till Monday, but we will oh, but wait, we cannot leave without saying that the homework is so amazing because it's it's the Psalms of Ascent. That's right. So and those are like the best Psalms in the Psalter. So Psalms one twenty through one thirty
0: four. Thirty four? No, 34, 35, whatever. One
1: thirty five is not a psalm of ascent.
0: If if you look at your Bible, it'll tell you what the Psalms of Ascent yes, are. Okay. And it sounds like a lot of reading, I know, but most of these Psalms are only, you know, six or seven verses.
1: Yeah, and you and you're um, gonna get some of the best psalms in there. The whole thing about like, you know the, the Lord Builds the House, mm-hmm. the one about restoring the fortunes in Zion, oh, 126. That's amazing. Some of the ladies in my summer studies will have some of these memorized. But anyways, so read Psalms 120 through 134.
0: Exactly. We'll love it. Okay. We'll and s- I think someone has a birthday coming up this week.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: Yes, it's your birthday, your 50th birthday on Wednesday. <gasps> Stop, I don't need everybody yes, to know you how do. old I am. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.